twin ox of superheated plasma lightning shearing apart the very fabric of reality. We are the unrelenting force of truth right in the path of the unmovable object that is the Administratum's propaganda machine. 665.66 UHMR Camrat Radio. Once again, live from Mama Kaz's Noodle House. Hey, Gabo. You think she uses this to try these new dishes out? I mean, I love the spice, but sometimes Kev's uh, got a case of the last-minute runs. I think he always has a case of the last-minute runs. Speaking of running for toilets, the sump vat rat catchers are back in the news. After the new Glacial Bowl last season, the rat catchers are back up against the Zerkers. Let's see how these boys deal with the Warmongers team. God damn, Mama tossed in the bolter powder this time. You get a mouthful of that, Chuck. You can't handle the spice. Get out of the kitchen. <laughs> a blue plasma beacon in the peerless depths of the shadows that consume the underhive. I am your one and only Goblin King. Joined, as always, by my partner in Vox-based criminality, the Power Mall juggler, Marky. What it is, host? And keeping us nice and frosty, it's our very own polar bear, the Frost Hollow Chuggerfly. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the episode to describe how to smuggle stuff other than your prison wallet. <laughs> Welcome to Loris Obscurus episode 13, The Isle of Dolls. This would be your purity seal warning. We are going to dip into doll-based horror. If that's something that freaks you the fuck out. Cuddle up under a nice blanket, turn off all the lights, and be ready to run for the bathroom so you don't shit the couch. You take the batteries out of your doll. <laughs> so while we're primarily... Oh, what's up? Purity seal territory? Yeah, that's what he said. Just in case. I mean, so dolls freak people out. Not only that, but um, I wrote I wrote a short story. It's been a bit. While we're primarily a Warhammer and Warhammer 40K lore podcast, we all have a shared passion for creative storytelling, whether that is through... Gameplay during a recording session like the ones we do here or when we're in the midst of creative writing. And it's hard to have a passion for all of that without being at least a little bit into horror, the supernatural and creepy ass real world lore. That's true. Besides, there is no better model for developing game lore than to take a deep look at the rich tapestry of folklore that humans have been sharing for centuries. That's our goal with these segments, to look into the strange, paranormal, and quite often haunting things that help establish the folklore of our real world in order to figure out how to design elements that can be fit into storytelling in our favorite fictional universes, be it an existing universe like Warhammer or creative collaborations like some of the tabletop role-playing games that all of us on the cast enjoy and that we know a lot of you guys enjoy. It's always kind of been our aim as we've designed Loris Obscurus to talk about creepy real world stuff and then introduce some homebrew Warhammer 40k lore with a short story, normally centered around the Innsmouth Hive. However, recently, as we've expanded our community podcast lore with the help of our community over on Discord, we've fleshed out the Carcosan sector. And part of that was introducing a Ordo of the Inquisition known as the Ordo Obscurus. This branch of the Inquisition focuses on the retrieval and containment of certain artifacts, which at times defy all laws of the materium and immaterium. But. Yes, Satan? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. 
You sounded like someone else. <laughs> I haven't even got there yet, man. Those, those are the artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> Before we jump into the real world lore of the Isle of Dolls, we would like to present to you Ordo Obscurus file SX0249. So, so you mean you're going to scare us before you tell us about, we talk about the real world scary stuff. Right, exactly. So yeah, our, our earliest set of Loris Obscurus episodes were all centered around real world hauntings, the different types of hauntings that happen in our world. The idea behind the episode was essentially that all ghostly manifestations in Warhammer 40k would kind of be something of the warp leaking over because the, the warp is where human souls go after they die, etc. We looked at the four chaos gods first. We introduced four stories. Tom did our one for Nurgle. Kevin did our one for Korn. Marky and I wrote the Zygonia backstory, Zygonia being our slanish character. And then Marky and I wrote the, actually Marky, Beast and I all kind of talked about, and then I wrote the Katarina short story, and that is our Zinch character. So Zygonia and Katarina are characters that exist in the Underhive. Zygonia is a very famous singer. They are androgynous. What do we they, call it? Fuck metal? Yeah. Uh, death synth or synth death or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the, essentially. The death, death fuck metal. <laughs> that, that, that was death the other. fuck metal. That was the other genre that Ryan and I came up with. Fuck yeah. metal. <laughs> so Z Zygonia was not obsessed with their looks when they were younger. They were a child of the Spire. However, they were very enamored with the ability to sing, and that became their thing. They really wanted to be the best singer ever. And through the pursuit of that, essentially shenanigans, and by shenanigans, I mean everybody died. <laughs> um, and Zygonia is still one of the most popular pop singers in Innsmouth Hive. Nobody knows that they are a manifestation or a demon of Slanish essentially, or a devotee of Slanish, essentially. And Time out. real quick, because uh, uh -oh. Uh -oh. for uh, 3 6 or $9, you can join our <laughs> Patreon, shameless plug, and see these extremely creepy images that Ryan decided to show me right before I go to sleep of, uh, <laughs> of dolls. Oh, they get worse. <laughs> yeah, perfect. perfect. That, that's, that's exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> Katarina, on the other hand, was a cogitator, a servitor cogitator, who was wired in to do data processing and at some point stumbled across some lore that had been hidden or found or whatever in one of the data spools and read it. The cogitator read it and it reawakened the neural pathways that healed her brain. And she essentially returned to life. She read as much as she could and is essentially a vampire. She haunts the Underhive, stealing the youth and beauty from... She's very beautiful, and she essentially continues to live by stealing the life force of victims that she comes across. So I'm torn between two of them. And she, and she is our avatar of Zinch. Yeah. Kevin no. told... What's up? No, I was just saying knowledge. Kevin told a story of a guy who had gotten severely over in his or over under what's it called? I guess it's over, right? He went severely overboard in his gambling and had gotten a lot of debt to some bookies. And the way to get out of debt with the bookies was to pit fight. However, the more he pit fought, the more he wanted to just kill. And eventually he let rage kind of overcome him. 
Uh, we did not name him yet. We were going to return to his story at some point and tell a little bit more of that. Part of getting through this, kind of going back to our original roots of Loris Obscurus is, is what we're doing now. So we're probably going to come back to that. And then Beast introduced a strip club near the sump, right above oh, the sump. Yeah. What? That shit was dope. Yeah. It's a strip club controlled by Nurgle, essentially. So it looks it looks nice Ooh. and beautiful, but Ooh. if you stay too long, if you don't leave at the right time, the doors lock and the entire strip club actually sinks back into the sump. Yeah, it's like uh if you remember from Dust Till Dawn, it's kinda like what is it? The twisted twisted the titty? T- twisted titty. titty. The twisted titty? 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 Titty twister. Yeah. It's like the t- the titty twister story where like you show up, you stay there too long, all the vampires show themselves. Yep. Very similar. Oh, like man. that's if you, uh if you can find pussy cheaper. Yeah. It was like nurgling spilling out of people's mouths and shit. It was yeah. it was pretty gnarly. Essentially after a certain point the, the glamour wears off and the strippers reveal themselves to be nurglings or <laughs> or, or female pox walkers. Where again <laughs> <laughs> just been su- you've been sucking on a boil for half the night it's yeah. great it's uh good to go <laughs> it happens you, man you yeah. <laughs> it happens. Uh, that explains the briny taste yeah for R- all you R- lovers out there rugan's somewhere just popped a woody yeah uh, you, you've been popping a titty the whole night and then you know when midnight strikes you it's just a fat it, boil the boil that you're <laughs> popping yeah <laughs> Uh, the, the pox walkers looking oh down at you God. like, yeah, that's disturbing. As fuck. <laughs> that's grim dark, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so from there, obviously you guys have heard us kind of move into cryptids and then we moved into haunted forests and that's kind of where we're at now, but we kind of lost sight a little bit of relating it back to Warhammer 40 K all the time. And one of the big things that we had done was we had set up the Ordo Obscurus and the Ordo Obscurus is a special branch of the inquisition. As I just mentioned above that a Essentially, I don't know why I said above, I, like I just mentioned earlier, it's above in the notes, so it's above. It's it's a, an ordo that essentially acts a little bit like the SCP, if you're familiar with creepypastas and internet lore. The Ordo Obscurus is essentially like the same sort of idea. It's just sort of embedded in the functional lore of Warhammer 40k. It's a minor ordo of the Inquisition that's entire job is to track down anomalies and artifacts that cannot be dealt with or destroyed and then contain them. That's their entire job. So they find these things that don't fit anywhere. They can't be destroyed. They can't be exercised. They can't be banished. They just have to kind of be contained. And their job is to contain them. Yeah, I was going to say almost like the uh, the Conjuring series where they have that room yes. that's full, full of like possessed artifacts and just all around haunted gadgets and gizmos. Gadgets and crap. Yeah, they got Annabelle. We'll be talking talking a little bit about Annabelle today and her, all of her <laughs> friends. So with that in mind, let's jump into a little bit of a short story that we prepared for you guys. Vox Cotitata Net Access Ordo Obscurus Inquisitorial Archive Segmentum Obscurus Dunwich Sub Classification Indigo File Number OMLA-CARSEC-SX0249 Ordo Malleus Lavinia Addismore Object Class Hereticus Euclid Disruption Class Intermediate Risk Inquisitorial Containment Procedures 
SX0249 is stored in a translucent crystalline plasmantium coffin, measuring 1 meter long and 42 centimeters tall by 14 centimeters in depth. The coffin is fused with obsidian trim at the joins and locked with a crypto-cyclonic keypad, synced to the Savant's biosignature alone. This coffin is then secured upright at the center of a 1 meter squared void-shielded cell at site 072. SX0249 is to be actively monitored via picked cogitator stations at all times. Avoid direct observation or interaction by novice or non-size shielded operatives, as they will attempt to free SX0249. Gun servitors are to be deployed at both observation stations and within line of sight of the cell at all times. Gun servitors should be reassigned or liquefied every 96 Terran hours. Direct examination of SX-0249 is locked to indigo level rosette or higher and requires no less than two size-shielded operatives of the chamber militant to be present along with the observing interrogator or inquisitor. Description brief. SX-0249 is a child's doll measuring just under 75 centimeters in height and weighing approximately 1.8 kilograms. The doll is a female in design and dressed in a manner that suggests SX-0249 was designed for children of the Imperium wealthy and elite. Rich crushed lavender, velvet, and other finer fabric made up of courtesan's dress, which covers a synth fiber body filled with weighted beans or beads, porcelain hands, lower legs and feet, and a head make up the rest of the doll. Finely crafted leather boots cover the feet, and a blue lace veil is attached to a small hat on SX-0249's head, which is covered in royal curls made from reclaimed human hair. SX-0249's eyes are made from glass marbles, which seem to roll with red and purple clouds. The porcelain face around its eyes is scarred and cracked deeply, a stark contrast to the near perfection of the rest of the child's doll. These cracks and scars suggest the head has been shattered innumerable times before somehow reforming on its own. Looking directly into SX-0249's eyes fills the subject with an immediate sense of belonging, calm, and familiarity with the doll. Within an hour, the subject will seek not to move more than two meters away from SX-0249. By hour two, the subject will take SX-0249 with them wherever they go. By hour three, the subject will seek to get others to gaze into SX-0249's eyes. By hour four of exposure... The subject is completely enthralled by SX-0249's will and will begin to hear the doll speak to them. In observational cases, no one who has gazed into the eyes of the doll can hear these voices. By the fifth hour, the subject will begin to carve lines into the flesh of their face that match the scars and cracks observed on SX-0249's own porcelain features. The subject will use any tool available, and if none are present, they will even use their own fingers. In cases where the subject has been restrained, they will seek to carve their skin with the bolts of their cells and any other sharp edge. In cases where a subject has been completely restrained, they will scream and rave at their detainers until they have ruptured their own vocal cords. Once a subject has carved themselves into a facsimile of SX-0249, they continue to try and actively recruit others to gaze into its eyes. Prolonged exposure builds fanatical devotion with the subject actively attempting to build a cult to worship SX-0249. Subjects undergoing more than six hours of exposure to SX-0249 are to be eliminated with extreme prejudice. Simpler minds, such as the abhuman Ogren, 
are much more susceptible to these effects. Servitors can also become influenced by SX0249. However, the needed exposure time has been documented and measured in weeks. Inquisitorial Notes, Transcript of Events, SX-0249 was encountered by Lavinia Astmore of the Ordo Malleus on the hive world of Yarin 4 during the Second Soviet Revolution of 941.m41. What follows is an excerpt from her field report. House Savant and its connection to the now-named Savant Rebellions are covered in more detail in my full report to Ordo Malleus, case number Z55-CS0310. However, I will stick to the relevant details of the subject we have remanded into your care during my primary investigation, although I firmly believe the doll had similar effects in the rise of the Scarlet Disciples some thirty years ago. My investigation had brought me to Yarin 4 in pursuit of the demonologist Bas Jong, Gavari, a brilliant and extremely dangerous savant who had once been a pupil of Grand Master Raban Hasted himself. I had tracked the Arch Heretic and his collection of dangerous grimoires to the thermo slums of the Castilian Hive, but before I could act, fate, or perhaps the will of the God Emperor, saw to bring my team directly into conflict with the Cult of the Eye placing my operatives in a position to stop the bombing of the Novranik Arms Manufactorum. Baston Giovari, for all his machinations, used this diversion to slip once more from the Inquisition's grasp. However, in my duty, I couldn't simply ignore this new and present threat, and I was forced to refocus my attention. The Cult of the Eye centered his activities in the manufacturing subdistrict of Callistan's Midhives, using industrial espionage and terrorism to disrupt the manufacture of ordnance bound for the fringe conflicts in the Mergent Worlds. With the assistance of the Yarin Helldivers, we made swift work of disrupting what we believed to be the cult's leadership. However, like the other vermin that plague our Grand Imperium, just as I brought my heel down on one nest of vipers, another appeared. What I took for the central leadership of a small cult of disquieted menials was just one cell in a disorganized network that had begun to infect the entire hive. Despite our efforts, the cult's influence grew by the day, and by week three of our investigation it had spread to the other hives within the Yarin Southern Cluster. Later, I would come to realize that these events were connected to the Scarlet Disciples of the First Civent Rebellion of 909.m41. By week five, the first two skirmishes of open revolt against the Arbides and planetary defenses erupted in the underhives of the cluster. Members of the cult participated in scarification, and while not uncommon as a practice itself, the uniformity of these grievous wounds they would tear into their faces was quite unsettling. As their numbers and influence grew, rumors began to circulate about their prophet, the so-called Eyes of Fate and they would die screaming out her title in all manner of feudal terror attacks. A break to the case came in the sixth week of our investigation, when my senior interrogator, Rhys Marcone, discovered a pattern buried deep within the administratum's own vox traffic. This pattern connected what we believed to be the cult's inner sanctum deep in the Callistan sump slums with the noble house of Cavassus in the spire. As a situation that befitted deeper investigation, I pulled the majority of my operatives from the sub-slums and began my investigation into the House of Cavassus. While it would hardly be the first time that promise of power led to the corruption of the Imperial's nobility, the truth we discovered was much darker and led me to seek out the assistance of Ordo Obscurus. Rumors suggested that an eight-year-old child, one of the adopted daughters of the Cavassus household, Carolina Sivent, 
was the center around another cult which had begun to grow in the spires themselves. That these cults were somehow connected became academic, as we had tracked Vox traffic clearly to the house's mansions. But none of us were truly prepared for the truth of the cult of the eye. The tragedy of House Sivent is well known in the sub, even if I have discovered that most of it is purely propaganda. In 935.m41, Lord Sivent was killed in a transport accident at high anchor, and Lady Sivent was struck with a grand melancholia eventually taking her own life, leaving their children to the care of a cousin, Lord and Lady Cavassus, who themselves had no heirs. However, the truth is much darker. Lord Savant had returned from an off-world trip to find his household staff brutally murdered. Lady Savant was found sitting in the Grand Hall, which had become a bloody abattoir. Every chair of the long-feasting hall occupied by the mutilated corpses pinned to their chairs with an assortment of blades. The table itself was set and bearing a spread of their own organs and entrails on its blood-stained silver platters. Goblets filled to overflowing with blood and viscera laid before them. The lady herself was dressed in her finest, although it was now splattered and stained in the blood of those she had slaughtered. Her own eyes, which she had carved out herself, lay on her plate before her. Long-bladed golden seamstress shears clutched in her right hand. She was still speaking and giggling as if holding a grand banquet with her dead guests when an Arbides balter ended her madness. Lord Savent never recovered from the horror and was remanded to the sanatorium, where he later took his own life. The children had miraculously survived the horror, having both been in the care of the family Medicae when the slaughter began. The Medicae himself had not been as lucky. He had managed only to bioseal the Medicae wing before he was dragged to the banquet hall by Lady Savent. The twin girls, being two years of age at the time, were kept in isolation and observed for six months. Pawn, showing no signs of distress, cleared by the Medicae and set for adoption by their aunt and uncle. Lord and Lady Cavassus also inherited Lord Savent's estates. And while the grounds and mansion itself were cleansed by the Arbides and Inquisition, many of House Savent's holdings had been released. As the main investigation had centered around the Grand Banquet Hall and the other rooms the dead had been found in, the private rooms of the family had largely been packed up and shipped to House Cavassus before the cleansing, being not subject to those bloody horrors. It is here that I must note a failure on the part of Ordo Hereticus Inquisitor Galvin Raddick, for had more resources been placed on investigating the family's belongings, this may have been avoided entirely. Every lead in my investigation seemed to lead back to the eight-year-old child Carolina Savent, with a nexus of cult activity happening in her near vicinity. I felt the danger posed by these questions that we didn't have answers to was too great and executed a raid on the Cavassus estates. We found the estates to be a carnal house the dead laying where they had been slaughtered in the hallways. The cultists we encountered had carved their faces in the same way as many of the Eye of the Cult, and I knew we were not facing two cults, but one. The assault lasted nearly six hours between my forces and those three dozen Yaren Helldivers who I had retained. However, we suffered staggering casualties against the cult. What they lacked in discipline and tactics they made up for in fanaticism to their false child god, the Eyes of Fate. Had it not been for Brother Varian of the Amber Scales, I am not sure we would have been victorious at all. The Cavassus household had been slaughtered weeks before, and it had been their bodies and those who had come to investigate the house's mysterious silence that we had found littering the grounds. 
Lord and Lady Cavassus awaited us in the Grand Library, both pinned to the walls above the fireplace, golden shears through their eyes, wrists, shoulders, heart, hips, and ankles. Carolina's event was seated on a throne below the bodies of her adopted parents, a throne made of the viscera-slick bones that had been harvested from the dead we had encountered. She held the doll in her lap, lightly brushing its hair as she spoke to it lovingly. The psychic chatter of the room hit us like a stone wall, rupturing one of the surviving Yarin trooper's eyes and eardrums, drowning the man in his own blood. In a few seconds it took to take the grisly sight of the room in, we could all hear whispering of a child, somewhere in the back of our minds. Reese Marcone was the next to die. His left side vanished in a pink mist as warp lightning tore across the library. It was then that Misha Savint, Caroline's twin sister, had swept across the ground towards us like a living electrical storm, her body barely containing the warp energies that leaked from where her eyes had once been, eyes that had become pools of swirling red and purple. A bolter round from Brother Varian put the psyker down, buying us seconds to assault Carolina from her throne of bone. Carolina's power had been in her cult and the psychers that she had been able to corrupt. When facing my surviving band alone, she attempted simply to flee. She didn't make it far before she froze and turned in horror to stare at the doll that she had dropped behind her in her haste to escape. I thank the stalwart discipline of the Astartes, for I was assaulted by a melancholia and desire to protect this child as soon as I saw her scarred and anguished face. Brother Varian's chainsword, however, did not, and in the next instant the spell was broken, all but for the whisperings of that hideous doll. The doll obviously held some corruption of the warp, and after attempting to destroy it several times, I consigned myself to contain the cursed object in my personal collection. It claimed no less than three other lives, even while locked and contained in my personal library aboard the Avion. Early on, I destroyed the damned thing more than once. Every time, it would simply fix itself and appear back in its containment case, even if light years separated where I had left the pieces and my ship. That is how my investigation led me to your Ordo. Emperor knows how much of my life this doll has consumed these last fifty standard years. But it's your problem now. If I never hear its smug voice again, it will be too soon. Special Addendum Inquisitorial Interrogation Detainee Report of Brother Varian of the Assault Against House Cavassus Message Redacted End Log CogitatorNet 377.992.m41 SX-0249 was remanded into the care of Savant Maximilian Heinrich on 125.991.m41 and transferred to the Void Fortress Site-027. SX-0249 has been destroyed 211 times by Ordo Obscurus operatives. It has always returned within three standard days. Inquisitorial Archive Segmentum Obscurus Dunwich Sub Vox Cogitator Net Access Terminated Good old Amber Scales saving the day. <laughs> Love it. Now you got to make him. You realize, right? Um, there has to be a, a brother variant. <laughs> yes, a uh, a bolt pistol and a chainsword. I have a free model I got that now will become him. There you go. And, and he is on special detachment to Ordo or to Ordo Malleus right now. He would be working for this yeah. Inquisitor. We'll have, to, we'll have to discuss that a little more. Maybe he was a prior Death Watch. Well, he, he was working for her. It, she may not be alive anymore. 
when I sat down and fleshed a lot of this out with some of the other writers who are involved in our community, we had come up with a format that's very, very similar to the SCP Foundation. So in a lot of cases, the dates don't feel like they match up. And that's because the amended inquisitorial interrogation of Brother Varian, which happened in 377.992.m41, happened after SX0249 was remanded to the care of the Ordo. So they yeah. got it before. And like, there's other little things where like, because the, the time that reports are being made and the time that the Ordo is experimenting on it don't necessarily match up. And that's kind of how it's, how it's made. The, the statement isn't when it was captured, essentially. Good, good old Space Marine makes his report and the Inquisition covers it up. <laughs> Yeah, and and why is it redacted? I mean, they assaulted uh, a noble house on uh, on a oh, high yeah. world, on a high world, <laughs> and it would totally make sense that that would be redacted information. People don't need to know that space marines are traveling around in a container boxes, just being dropped off everywhere to uh, handle problems. Well, and we'll have to figure out like why was he attached to this inquisitor for a certain amount of time. It could be it could be lots of things. I mean, you know, it's like uh, like Marky was saying, um, Death Watch. You could have been Death Watch. I originally had made him a Death Watch guy, and then I was like, uh, well, I mean, well, he could have been on. Uh, you he could have been in Death Watch before, exactly, and then right. he's basically on the way back to his home world. That or or he's worked with the Inquisition. So That's what I'm saying. Like, like he's he's done with his term in the Death Watch, and now he's going back to his yeah. his chapter. He's yeah. hitching a ride with this Inquisitor. Yep, there's that. You know, there's all sorts of reasons because in the one last Chancer novel I've read, mm -hmm. that's literally, if, well, it was a Death Watch Marine hidden basically in a container box. <laughs> yeah. It's basically break when needed while he was needed. Break when needed. Yeah. Shatter, I mean, shatter glass case when needed. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally what happened in that story, which is like kind of cool with that last Chancer novel. So that's, that's pretty cool, right? I like that. That was a cool story. Thank you. I like using space Marines the way that they should be used. Like this is one space Marine. This he's, is not the specialty tool. Yeah. And, and the fact that he was there is the reason that the psychic power of uh, essentially the twin wow. sisters wasn't able to, to overcome the it, inquisitor. That's, that's like the whole thing. The, uh, the anime that we all love Astartes it's like that whole scene where the Inquisitor turns around, is freaking out. They just grab him, throw him on the ground, and <laughs> shoot him. Done. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was an interrogator, by the way. I don't. Well, I mean, it could have been a full Inquisitor, but usually interrogators are like the the Inquisitors in training. Yeah. Fleshed out a little bit more of the Carcosan sector. There is now Yarin Four is a planet that exists. So we'll we'll add the Hive World of Yarin Four to our list. That um, they could they could be a place where a lot of spooky things happen. Is yeah. that on our world? It's a, it's in the Dunwich subsector, so it's in uh, the sector next to the Arconium sector. Those are all the uppity hives. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's still in the Carcosan sector, though, so it's still in the creepy area. The only thing that I noticed, I screwed up. Oh no, I didn't screw it up. Uh, I had changed when the first and second event. Savant, Sivant, I keep wanting to say Savant, Sivant rebellions had happened at one point. And I, 
I liked to allude to the fact that there was a there's a much bigger report somewhere of what this gal was investigating and what yeah. she found. And like they call them the first and second Savint rebellions and they happened about 30 years apart and each time they happened they probably involved the doll. Probably like that was kind doll. of I'm hinting at it but not yeah. stating it outright. And I, I like that the eyeballs are uh, purple and and red red. Yeah, yep. it's back to what's 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 our favorite uh, uh Flex. 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 Yeah, yeah, I, I fucking love it. I fucking that, love it. Very much kind of referenced the Flex that are in the Eisenhorn books, yeah, the, like, the Eisenhorn series. Like this story, I think Ravener is a, series is a, is a good example of, of what, what what you guys are trying to make of tying real world. 40k lore already existing in the short stories people can make but we're also not no no but i think it's a great example like you pull things we're working on as a group things that's already existing i I, I thought that was great yeah the, the the doll being stored in her private library for 30 or 50 years it was very annabelle yeah yeah i like that yeah it makes me really want to. I don't know. I, I think I've told Ryan. I don't know, I've told you, Marky. But like, the more like this happens, the more of everything else we're doing. I, I really want. Like, I have a, I have the story arc I've thought of for maybe not exactly Loris Obscurus, but for someone that be, ends up becoming an Inquisitor, like the story of that lowly that lowly sergeant that ends up ranking up. So the two things I try never to do is I definitely referenced, I referenced flex from the Ravener series, but I didn't make my inquisitor important enough to the written lore that the, the traditional, not the traditional, the, the official lore that she now has to, that, that her existence retcons Eisenhorn or Ravener series. It's just, and the other thing that I tried to do was I tried to leave it, as open-ended as possible. You know, she, she remanded care of the doll to the Ordo Obscurus in 991.m41. So eight years before the fall of Cadia, which is 200, you know, we're now two, 300 years later in theory in ninth edition. So if you wanted to say that one of those Yaren Helldivers, like you were just saying, survived maybe he's the only one it's the sergeant who survived he's the only person who survived he continued to be in her war band for 20 years 30 years and then became an inquisitor or whatever that's not that's not how his story fleshes out i'll have to tell you later all right (laughs) it also gives the ability for any of us or anybody any of you guys who listen if you didn't have an idea what you wanted to do for your own imperial guard army we just dropped the Yarin Helldivers. Like, you don't have yeah. to make them at all, but you can use that Helldivers part if you want. That's just an idea for... It insinuates, in my mind, that this entire unit of Imperial Guardsmen is 100% Halo Jumpers. They're Halo Divers. They're dropped in Drop high... Or- yeah, and, and low, orbit, low orbit in parachutes, not in drop ships, not in... You know, they're not Elysian drop troops, they're le- legitimately kilo divers. They're dropped at that level in the atmosphere with parachutes so they can insert silently, probably into the tops of hives that hives. are having issues. Yep. Like that's their their speciality is, is fighting in spires. High altitude, low orbit. That's that's a that's a pitching idea. Yeah. 
And it's different, you know, because Elysian drop troops obviously are dropping from orbit and they're dropping with a bunch of tech. This is the opposite. This is the low tech version of that. This this is the 101st Airborne in World War II coming in hot. Yeah, it's the it's the dudes jumping out of the C three one the C C one thirty. Thank you. <laughs> the C lumber things um, in the Godzilla film with the the red flares on their boots. They're dropping yeah. into San Francisco. That was the idea that I had. It was like that's what these guys do. That's cool. The, these guys are the silent version of the Elysian drop troops. Like it means that you have to get into low orbit, <laughs> which is its own problem. But so yeah, the, the entire inspiration for the story, the entire inspiration for this episode is the Isle of Dolls, which I will say I've seen three TV shows on <laughs> and each one of them have been years apart. So on those TV shows, there's been a progression of this place. Oh yeah, yeah. People really? keep people keep oh. doing stuff to it. And I literally just watched one this week because there's another show. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. I like his other spinoff shows. Oh, he has spinoff show with other people doing stuff. And I'm like, wow, the place just keeps getting creepier. I've heard <laughs> of it. Don't know anything about it. All right. So the Isle of Dolls or La Isla de las Muñecas. 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 Is that dolls? Yeah. So La Isla de las Muñecas? Muñecas. Mun. Do it again. Muñecas. Muñecas. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's an Enya, so it's it's Muñecas. 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 All right. Learning Spanish with Marky. Yeah. I don't even love it. I don't even speak it. <laughs> so it is a completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Chinyapa of the Laguna de Tequila located in the channels of Zoshmilico. Uh, however, yeah, it's the it's the lake that Mexico City is in. Zochimilco? Yeah. Should I pronounce, should I, I, you know what? We could try. I'm, I'm doing the pronunciation thing. Sorry, guys. I, I Sometimes we're not the best with languages here. At <laughs> Languages are hard, man. Well, we got like inspiration from all these other places. It's, it's a, it's like, it can be a little rough. Xochimilco. 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 So, Xochimilco. Which makes sense because I, I, yeah, Soshimilko. All right. So the sure. Isle, the I, Island of Dolls, Marky pronounced, I'm, okay, I'm going to do the Island of Dolls and then you're going to say it in Spanish. <laughs> sure. Are you ready? All right. So the Isle of Dolls, La Isla de las Muñecas, Las is, Muñecas. Sorry. Is a it, las, not a la. <laughs> is it Chinmapa of the Laguna de Tequila located in the channels of, Xochimilco, which is south of the center of Mexico City, Mexico. So a chinampa is basically an artificially created like island. I guess this isn't super well known. Mexico City is actually built on a lake and it was actually built by the Aztecs. A, well, not a really long time ago, but a long time ago. And essentially there was an island and then they, they basically they made these like 
boats, flat bottomed boats, roughly, which are probably close to maybe a quarter of an acre in size. And then they would fill them with dirt and like refuse and all of that. And it would make this, this stuff called terra firma that's really, really good to plant in. And then they would plant their crops in it. And then, you know, the city would grow and they would move the city out onto some of these boats. And like, you know, you build an artificial island. The island just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So the further away from the core of Mexico City that you get are basically all of these canals. And all of these canals and waterways have these little, well, have really big, have these really big chinampa. But there's these little chinampa everywhere as well, because this is still happening. People are still making new little lands, basically. People started going back, too, and uh, starting to farm those areas again, too. Yeah, because they're really, really fertile because of the way that they created the soil. So they would fish, and then they would eat, and then their refuse, their animals' refuse, and the leftovers of the fishing, the stuff that they pulled up, they would all mix into this terra firma, which would make it really, really good for crops, especially, you know, now, what it, whatever it is, like the 500 years, 600 years since the Aztecs were no longer around. And, and like the Spanish, when they came over, when the conquistadors, when they came over and they conquered the area, didn't realize what was there. And we didn't really have a good understanding of what was there. This is not my area of expertise when it comes to history at all. I, this is way, way past my prime, my prime is the bronze age, but, um, we really didn't understand a lot of this stuff from my understanding until recently. And, and, you know, recently being a historical term here. So maybe a hundred or 200 years ago, a hundred years ago, we started to figure this out. But like, as Chuck just said, people are now going back and planting these areas and being like, holy shit, these are like mega crops. This is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically like, uh, you know, those of you can, you know, on the Patreon, and you can you can see the uh, photo. The um, it's a huge area. The channels are really big, and each piece of land is like different sizes. So you can have your own little farm, make your own whatever you're going to grow, and all gets harvested and all that good stuff. The other thing I don't know if you're going to touch on it, Ryan, but I just learned in the last episode I watched. There's a imagine that a pyramid in Mexico, near Mexico City that's connected to these waterways like water comes from that pyramid connected to these waterways and that used to be like the main pyramid for mexico city with all the sacrifices so a lot of the issues in these waterways they think is you know the spirits traveling through the water and stuck because of that pyramid interesting i did not i i got i did a little bit of research on the island of dolls itself but mexico city like very realistically could have its own loris obscurus episode because it it, it's a very interesting city Mm -hmm. it's i mean in in terms of massive empires that dissolved historically mexico city literally happened like 500 years ago it really wasn't that long ago that the aztec civilization fell it is the aztecs right the incan yeah it's the aztecs Man, I'm really rusty on South American <laughs> history, apparently. Chalk's hey, listening right now and just screaming at us. <laughs> yeah, if you think my geography's bad, history is my second worst subject. Yeah, we, we should definitely have Chalk on to talk at some point about Mexico City because Mexico City, this whole area, it, it's really fascinating. All of the ancient 
Well, and it's so weird because we keep saying ancient, but all these old pyramids. I got a question for you, Marky. Oh, you know which direction it is from where we are right now? Uh, south. Okay, cool. Good, good job. You, you, that's all gold, you need. Gold star. Yeah, gold star for today. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> Award that man one gold purity seal. I mean, I got, I got, I, I'm I, I'm decent in biology. That's that's about it. You know about the pre- probaskies and the and the whip tails. Go go with the uh, and then the midichlorian. No, not the midichlorian. The mitochondria yeah. <laughs> is the powerhouse. Yeah, the, so, yeah, the uh, good with anatomy as well. So and we know you demonstrated every podcast. Yeah, it's, yes, yes, the areola podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, very familiar. <laughs> oh my it's also god! The island there, right? I, I got to break Ryan <laughs> one time every episode. <laughs> All right, so the Isle of the Dolls itself was originally owned by Don Julian Santa Ana Barrera, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right, and it's full of dolls hanging from trees and buildings covered with cobwebs and insects. The place was named in the 1950s when the dolls started to randomly appear all over the island. According to the legend, a young girl drowned and tangled among the lilies of the canal, and her body was found on the bank's of the Santampa Chinampas. Santana claimed to have heard the girl crying out, I want my doll, and terrified, hung up the doll he found near the girl's dead body. After the event, every time he went outside, he claimed to have found a new doll hanging from one of the trees. He later died in the same spot that the girl drowned. Many believe that his death was caused by the girl's spirit, which still haunts the island. The dolls are still on the island, which is accessible by boat. It's kind of become a tourist it, trap. It gave me gave me well, chills for a second. Yeah. Well, that last up, the last show I just saw, mm-hmm. the the nephew is now he's Running a caretaker it. of the islands, and he was staying there at night. Now he doesn't anymore. Yeah, I bet not. It's I wouldn't. Too, it's too much. Like the these these shows, of course, I'm talking about are, are ghost shows. And needless to say, I know everybody's skeptics and the ghost shows, you know, set everything up, but it is interesting to watch stuff. They've been in the house near the doll, other dolls activating without batteries in them in the middle of the night. Nope. One of the shows, <laughs> even, nope. one of the shows even, you know, has the live feed cameras, you know, constantly. Cause there's only three of them on the show running around doing stuff. Fire starting up in the fire pit. Nope. <laughs> Out. <laughs> We're going, yeah. boys. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Yes, Satan. Bring yeah. in the inquisitorial kill team. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it like they 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 film it during the day. So like during the day, you're like. Yeah, that's weird. Like during the day, when you see it during the day, you're like, that's, <laughs> that's weird. That's peculiar. <laughs> like, like this is off putting. Why would somebody do that? But then you see it, like they're walking around at night and you're like, yeah, get fucked. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I'm good. Yeah. You know, what is the, where is it? The, the... we still have need of your bolter, brother. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the flamer. Yeah. The heavy flamer. <laughs> yeah. Get that Parmesan going. One of the things that I found kind of interesting was that, so tourism, especially dark tourism, has become like a big thing. And a lot of people go down because they want to see the Isle of Dolls. People want to be scared a little bit. And apparently it's bad enough that 
a lot of the little chinopas around it in the area have started to like mimic the Isle of Dolls. But there's only one true one. And you, ha- you have to kind of know who to talk to and the right places to go to actually get to the correct island. Because if not, you just end up on one of these other islands. But there's all sorts of like weird television show stuff that's happened. And like I read some story where they had left some of the comics from one of the Telenueva shows there like overnight and like the next morning it wasn't even the next morning it was like midnight the dude fucking he left with all of his friends and was like fuck you guys i'm never coming back to work (laughs) i think uh i started watching uh i think it was skinwalker ranch right right like i couldn't finish it because like you said chuck it's almost like they like really stretch the imagination stuff, yeah. on, on on some things and it's just kind of like r- really like uh, i think the the part that i had to stop on for skinwalker ranch in particular i know we're talking about the isle of dolls but is it the dragon uh, force guy or whatever the fuck his name is <laughs> yeah, yeah dragon i'm dragon is it I dragon was, i think it was dragon it was something like that but uh no actually i went a little further it was the part where uh, I think like coyotes attack the alpacas that they put inside their like little uh, their area, and they're like, we don't know what attacked the alpacas. The there was one person there. <laughs> there he is, Bryant Dragon Arnold. That's right, Dragon. Oh, okay. Why do they call you Dragon? I'll be dragging these nuts all over <laughs> all over this goddamn ranch. <laughs> all over this ranch. Um, but it was, uh, the part where like the, some coyotes attacked the alpacas that they put there and they're like, yeah, these weren't normal coyotes. It could have been <laughs> something else. And the only camera angle we got was 50 yards away through two, uh, two trailers. So you only see like the, the large coyote like animal attack oh the alpacas as they're yelling. And, uh, one of our security guards is able to run it off and, He's he's saying that it's the largest coyote that he's ever seen. It almost didn't even look like a coyote. And I'm just like, all right, guys, come on. (laughs) It was probably just a normal coyote and they were, you know, stretching the truth to make it interesting. Well, the shows I'm talking about, like so far, they're they're, they're ones I like that I've watched enough now where it's like, they they all seem pretty credible. Uh, You know, you want to believe that it's all real, that they're not stretching it that far. But it's it's like this this place in particular. I've seen it on three shows now. It's just <laughs> even it's fucking cr- like I said. Yeah. Look, look. We live on the main, mainland U.S. and there's creepy places around where we're like where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I've been at those places, and it's like you see it during the day, you get an odd feeling, but then at night you're like, I'm fucking out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not I'm even not, trying I'm, to experience I'm, this right now. I'm not, there, I'm not there's just your dolls at night. There's just something about, so here's the thing. The vibe of the Isle of Dolls is very much like the Sawyer family from Texas Chainsaw, right? (laughs) You don't, even if there's nothing supernatural there, the dude who wears human faces and chases young women with chainsaws lives there and he hangs up creepy. It's just got a vibe, man. Yeah. (laughs) vibe that i don't want to feel (laughs) i'm not vibing i'm not on this wavelength brother yeah i do this weird thing where like i put myself in the situation and like i can feel and like i think of like the scariest 
like situation that could happen. Yeah. So like uh, just a few seconds ago, I'm like, all right, well, if I were there, like, usually I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'll walk through, you know, I'll walk through anything. I don't care. But I I picture myself sitting in the middle of a dark forest with dolls hanging everywhere. And then I imagine myself turning around and seeing a small doll like figure rush up to me, like, you know, 50 paces in two seconds. I'm like, yeah, that'll probably scare the shit out of me. And I <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. That's, what uh, was the, what was the movie? There was a movie, there's a movie. It's, it's fucking, it's Eric Bana. He always says actors names and I never know who the hell he's talking Eric, about. Most Eric of the time. banana. I don't, I don't know. It, the, the dude that played the first Hulk. Oh, okay. He's in, he's in a movie. Not Dolph Lundgren. Lundgren. No, 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 no. Not not Hulk. The second, the 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 first Hulk of the reboots. Oh, 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 okay. I know he's in Black Hawk Down as well. Black Hawk. Uh, Yeah, he's he's the uh, one of the the guys in the Helos. Fuck that guy. He's the guy that was had the MP5 and, and he like had to sit down and he was doing a last stand with his I. In Black Hawk, you haven't seen Black Hawk Down? No, it's not that guy. He's a different guy. Uh, Black Hawk Down. He, he doesn't die. He's not the pilot in Black Hawk Down. He's somebody. He's one of the Rangers. Oh, really? I think I've only yeah. seen the beginning when they're hunting the what? water buffalo. You've never seen Black Hawk, dude. Dude, hey, don't even start this with dude. dude. The dude, the dude seen. that's he's in. Okay, 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 okay. He's in Troy. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's the brother in Troy that's all pissed off. Yeah, he's he's the yeah. Okay, so the movie that I was trying to figure remember the name from is called Deliver Us from Evil. So the film Deliver Us from Evil is about uh, it's a New York cop who ends up working with a priest against an exor and, and they do an exorcism against a um the the guy who's possessed in it is an Afghani war vet who saw some shit and like young, an, young priest and an old priest an Aramaic tomb and got like possessed by the, the devil. Oh um, yeah. I think I've seen that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's, they there's a the footage like the, the, uh, yeah, they show, um, uh, combat helm footage at the very beginning yeah. of the film. So in the middle of the film, when the, the cop is starting to believe the main character, Eric Bannis character, the cop is starting to kind of believe that there's something fucking weird going on. Joel McHale's in it too. The dude from, uh, talk soup. He's another cop. Anyway, uh, I don't know why that just popped into my head, but right around the beginning, the, like the middle of the film where the cop's starting to think something weird's going on, like some shit has happened to his daughter a couple of times. Plates flying around his kitchen. He's like, something weird's going on around here. Something might be going on. So he goes up, he goes up to his daughter's room and his daughter has this owl, like stuffed owl toy that has light up yellow eyes. And, and it goes like, Ha ha hooey, ha ha hooey, and it's rolling across the floor towards her bed, and the daughter's freaked out. And like every time we watch that film, all of the jump scares in that movie don't get me. That fucking stuffed owl rolling across the floor. Like I'm trying to tell you guys about it, and I'm like, is there something behind me? Did I say ha ha hooey, or did something in the room say ha ha? Hooey? Is that fucking owl in here? There's something about. So kids toys being possessed. So, that's freaky. So here's, so here's my question to Ryan then. Cause you do a lot of research on all this stuff. Okay. Is this a more common phenomenon in our modern age being freaked out by dolls? Or is this a thing that goes back? Cause of like, uncanny you know, all Valley. I can think of as like voodoo dolls. It's uncanny or, Valley stuff. 
is this does this all go back to like what we were talking about earlier the, twilight zone yeah, yeah. so the like, dolls is that the beginning of it that episode of the twilight zone you better be nice to me oh, <laughs> So the the dolls that freak us out more in general are the dolls that fall into just like the description in the uh, you know the short that I wrote. It's that Victorian era kind of porcelain figure doll. It's that doll that was made to look incredibly lifelike. And the reason that that fucks with us is because as Marky brought up, the Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley essentially states that the closer to human something approaches, the freakier it is to us. Because it looks just a little things that are a little different than normal are freakier than things that are that are largely different. So like and here and that's one of the reasons to get back to the Annabelle movies uh, with the conjuring universe, the conjureverse, the Annabelle doll for the movies was made into one of these lifelike looking dolls. She was styled that way. The yeah. actual Annabelle doll, the, the doll a, that it's based on is a Raggedy yeah. Ann doll. Oh. Yeah. Which, which when I learned that made it even creepier for me because I grew up, you know, yeah. watching the Raggedy Ann cartoons. My sister like, had okay. a Raggedy Ann doll. So that, 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 like, I learned that. And I'm like, are you serious? It's that cloth doll. Yeah. But, but Raggedy Ann dolls aren't that freaky. They don't That's have fun. that thing that weirds us out because they're not made to look super lifelike. They're, they're made to be. Yeah. A, a very very part. removed facsimile so, yeah so that's my question like did these stories co- start coming up when like the victorian area when dolls were being made to look like that or is that a more modern thing of being freaked out by these child toys i, I mean a lot of victorian era edwardian era horror kind of alludes to or directly talks about dolls. I, I don't, I guess the, I guess the answer is, I don't know. Um, oh, son of a bitch. I know that, I know that dolls have been used in horror fiction for as long as horror fiction has been written and horror fiction has its roots in like Victorian slash Edwardian time. Okay. So that would suggest that it's been freaky since then. Now there is to, to get into the, to get into the Art Bell side of the episode, to get into the Coast to Coast yes. AM side of the episode, Love Coast to Coast. there is a theory. You know, in the it's it's on the conspiracy theory pyramid. It's in there somewhere on the iceberg. Okay, but there is a theory that the reason that the Uncanny Valley fucks with us as much as it does is because we have not, you know, a hundred thousand years of human evolution. 100,000 years of evolution, biologically speaking, really isn't that long. It's not long enough for a lot of stuff to have really left us. And the, this theory that explains the reason that we have a problem with the Uncanny Valley is because there's something that used to hunt us that looks a lot like us and mimicked us. And, you know, people will say, oh, yeah, Neanderthals, obvious. like people will come up with these little examples and all that. But we are, we interbred with Neanderthals, which kind of suggests that Neanderthals weren't that big of a competitor of ours. They were, they were a competitor, but they were a genetically compatible competitor and Neanderthal DNA got into Homo sapien DNA, at least a little bit. I don't know how much of it has continued, but this sort of idea that there was a super predator that hunted humans that looked like humans is something that's kind of pervasive. And like, we see it 
reflected in modern fiction. We see it reflected in modern um, horror. You know, vampires look like humans. Zombies yep. look like humans. Werewolves have human like aspect, even Sasquatch and Yeti and those sorts yeah, of creatures humanoid type. have humanoid type features, yeah. humanoid type things. So that's why deep in our psyche, it freaks us out. Right. Even aliens. And that's the other thing, you know, as, as society has progressed, you know, when we covered the black forest, not too many yeah. episodes of Loris Obscurus ago, we talked a lot about werewolves and the problems that society had with werewolves so as society has progressed like werewolves were the thing for a while ghosts were the thing for a while vampires were the thing for a while now aliens are a thing for a while is all of this a psychic projection of our fear of some unknown thing or are these psychic entities and i'm not i'm not talking warhammer 40k right now i'm talking about like yeah we're talking yeah. real world theory are these entities real things that are projecting a psychic manifestation that appears as a thing that we culturally fear at the time. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So, I, I was just, I was just wondering if there was some kind of connect on why dolls freak us out so much. I mean, like, I'll be honest with you, like the photos, if you guys can see the photos, you Patreons when you're watching <laughs> shameless boy, the couple, three, six or $9, these, three, six or $9. <laughs> the ones you've okay. That one right there freaks Freaky. me out more. Than the one with the yellow eyes and that's that's actually why i made the doll sx0249 have that like cracked skin that yeah. like it's been damaged a bunch and I, put back together it's you know i don't i don't know why that one bothers me more than than the other one with the yellow eyes this one is honestly one of the freakier pictures i pulled up the one on the right <laughs> yeah, just the both of them the doll without any eyes at all, probably because the paint's worn off. And then the doll that's like, what Rock. is that? <laughs> it away. It's so old. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you wrap a corpse in like cloth and then put it into yeah. children's clothes? What the fuck, man? Wood and oil. <laughs> it's just, it's just amazing to me that like something that small can free people up. <clears throat> yeah. It's a Speaking of scary doll stuff. So like when I was younger, Big house, two-story house. I'm the youngest of two brothers, and brother moved out, parents divorced, so it's just mom and I. She had a doll room, and that room was always the coldest room in the house, and the freakiest doll that was in there was a Pee Wee Herman doll. I got something for you, Chuck. Madness. This is Sparta! <laughs> that's, that's what you do to that doll. Well, and the thing the thing was what was weird about it was this is before his whole incident and everything. It's back when he it, it came out when he had Pee Wee's Playhouse going on. It was probably like a like a two foot doll. Oh my god! In a box that was always facing the door. So it's like whenever you would open the door, it's just Pee Wee Herman with his you know his slack jaw open, just staring at you with these big eyes. Yeah, none of the other the Cabbage Patch dolls, the Freddy Krueger doll, none of the other stuff. About it. it was just that one that was that, that one freaked you out, huh? It's like why is that one stand out? Do you ever notice, uh, like I, I speak from personal experience, but like, um, what do you call them? The uh, the hand hand puppets. Yeah, that's the new like, Chucky. Yeah, uh, Megan, like Megan, Muppets. 
no but like, like, like the, kermit and all that crap no or? not not muppets but like the what do you call them i can't ventriloquist remember. dolls yeah, yeah the ventriloquist oh, yeah yeah my uh my grandpa uh when i when i met him for the first time uh he he was a ventriloquist and he had a on my on the on my father's side of the family i don't think i'd ever i don't think i've ever seen a mexican ventriloquist but i haven't looked hard so it's it's probably not a fair statement but uh yeah, the first time I met him, he had, you know, ventri- ventriloquist dummies or whatever you call them, dolls. And, uh, dude, they freaked me the hell out. Like, I, and I've never seen one before, and it was just something about it. You know, it was just freaky. They are so, creepy. Yeah. They are super like, fucking creepy. To, to circle back, unless you had more on your story, Chuck. No. Just that it was a freaky-ass Pee Wee Herman doll. It was a freaky-ass Pee Wee Herman <laughs> doll. And the and the thing about that room when my that was my brother's old room yeah it was always a normal temperature when he was there but when it was just the dolls yeah and the weird thing is there was no curtain in that room so even in the summertime it was always a cold ass room I would have liked hanging out in there dude I would have been like yeah guys just keep it cold if you're gonna <laughs> stay here you keep it there I, I don't mind if you're haunting it just make sure that it's nice and like make sure it's a nice sixty five okay yeah, a nice even, even nice clean sixty five i'm I'm all right but um <laughs> to circle back on what you were talking about Ryan how like kids kids dolls kind of freak you out I can't remember which one was it it might have been like conjuring three or something. But they had that one kid that had the uh, the crooked man doll. Do you remember that? I know we talked. Uh, yeah, the crooked man. That that shit freaked me out pretty pretty good. I don't know if it got you at all. The crooked the first time the crooked man like completely unfolds himself and comes at like comes stomping down the hallway gets me. And yeah. that's it's interesting because in that case the CGI isn't amazing. Like you yeah. can tell it's CGI. Oh, but huh. in that case it fucking works for what they're doing. Right. Right. Like it 100% sells that uncanny valley thing. And that's one of the things like like a lot of times when people complain about CGI not looking right, it's the uncanny valley as well. You know, and, and this movie, Megan, definitely leaned into it with the super big eyes and the plasticine looking uh, yeah, features. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, it's one of the uh, newer real. It's one of the newer movies that came out, Megan. I actually want to watch it's a, it. Yeah, yet. it's a horror film. So but they basically they get an AI like doll assistant and I mean, it's, it's like she's freaky but then strangely attractive. Like what the hell's going on here? Yeah, it's because the uncanny uncanny valley is <laughs> yeah. fucking with you. Did you ever see um X Machina? What what? Did you ever watch what? X Machina? X Machina? Yeah, so X yeah. Machina um the the premise of the movie is a dude it like works for a Elon, not an Elon Musk, like a Google level company. I don't, I was going to say Elon Musk level company. Elon Musk is a person, not a company, but he works for like a Google level company for a dude yeah. who's, who's kind of like an Elon Musk ish, you know, like billionaire that does weird tech stuff sort of character. And this guy has created an AI that's within a female doll essentially. And the yeah. test to see whether or not the AI is real is to bring in a guy who works for the company who won a lottery to essentially converse with it. And if he can have a conversation with it and it passes all of the like Turing test, whatever's like job, not jobs, uh, tests, the tur- the Turing test tests, of course, that's what they're called. Then it's, then it, the AI is good and it functions properly. And basically the AI like convinces the guy that, he's in love with her and that he needs to save her. And then it gets out and it murders everybody. So it's is, freaky. Is it is the doll. 
Is that doll you're showing me? No. Is the you want you no, want no, to see no. the? No, 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 no. The, for that new movie, who voices the doll? Is that doll modeled after who's voicing it? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Because yeah, it. <laughs> Ryan was talking about that other company earlier. They're probably using that same kind of technology to make the skin and everything. So mm. like, are you trying to say it's a sex doll, Chuck? No, it definitely oh looks gosh. like one. Well, so that. That's the ex machina yeah. that one character. I'm pretty sure the Megan doll is supposed to be like a 13 year old or like 11 year old kid. I don't think it's supposed to be. Oh, it's not I a- mean, in the picture, it's a doll, but in the picture that I brought up that it, you can only see the face and it's buried in stuffed animals. I'm pretty, cause I've seen like the trailer not, and not it's like a kid. No, I don't think so, dude. I have no oh, is idea. That, is that what it looks like from here? I mean, it reminds me of Christina Applegate in the early years of. Uh, it's also a bad children. photo. Yeah, it definitely not. <laughs> it's freaky as hell. Uh, when I was watching the the trailers, I was like, "Oh, I gotta watch that. That's dope. I love Chucky." So Megan is played by Amy Donalds, who is who does kind of look like the doll. Um, I'm sorry, who? Amy Donald. Amy Donald. Yeah, she's like a. She's got to be. She's a kid, dude. Oh, uh, okay. She has to be. I, I mean, I'm assuming maybe she's not, but that's not who that doll looks like. If you look at, if you bring up a picture of the gal, that's what the doll I looks just, like. I just did. There's a picture of both of them next to each other. It's totally what the. She's oh, thirteen. She's thirteen yeah. years old. So the doll is supposed to look like a little kid. I think the reason that you're seeing Christina Applegate is twofold. One, it's a low res photo that I blew up, and two. There's like no context for the character. So to to circle also back like on whoever uh, that is, circle back on a, a doll story. So I think I've shared this in one of our early earlier episodes, but uh, Ryan says he doesn't remember, so I'll, I'll share it again. I don't I don't even remember what episode would have brought it up either. But I used to have this buddy that I, I hung out with. He's from a you know his, Hispanic family, Mexican family. And uh, he has one of the older abuelitas, old, old grandma, Gma is what he used to call her. So very superstitious. Yes, very. And uh, she had dolls in her room. And uh, he had a <laughs> he had a, a little cousin that was over. Right? That's the photo. Sorry, Marky. Yeah, yeah. With the three. That's the, I don't know who the other gal is, but Gina Davis. She was. Uh, she, I think she's also in the film. Oh, okay. yeah, that doll. I just, it looks like a, I just, that doll has a look that I just want to murder it. Like, yeah, it's just, a real, I don't, I it looks Ch- up. Chuck, you're, you're in a weird place thinking that it's vaguely attractive. Cause they the kind of just horrifies oh, me. <laughs> I talk about Slanesh all the time. That's uh, true. That's it, true. It's the, it's, well, I mean, you, if you pull up a picture of a sex doll, it looks like it has the same like skin type skin tone. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's that plasticine skin. It's that yeah. plastic looking skin. Okay. 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 Havelina, not Havelina. <laughs> that's a, that's a pig. Your grandma story, grandma doll story. Go. Yeah. So, uh, my buddy, we, uh, we actually used to share stories with each other about like shit that we've been through, like scary shit. And he said one time he had his cousin over, a little cousin, like uh, like eight years old. He knew that his you know grandma was sleeping. He's like, hey, go go wake up abuelita, right? And so he sends his little cousin to go wake her up. And it was late at night. 
when the little kid, my buddy was standing behind him. And, uh, when the cousin opened the door, uh, you hear the grandma sleeping, snoring. And as he opened the door and like took a step in, his grandma suddenly sat up and pointed at one of the dolls on her wall and said, El Diablo. And <laughs> the cousin went to turn around because he was going to run the fuck out of the room. And my buddy was standing there and I guess it scared him because his cousin pissed his pants as he was walking or as he was like making his way to run out of the room. He turned around and all, all, all he, he said, all I heard from my cousin was, Oh, <laughs> and he pissed himself. And, uh, he, I probably would have too, if I saw that. If Cause, uh, grandma sat up, pointed at a doll and said, El Diablo, let me tell you something. Yeah. Nope. I would have <laughs> I would have drop kicked Gma for sure. I'd be no, like, no. not in this house. Nope, the fuck out of that house. <laughs> yep, he's an exorcist from the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> from the top, but so, the people's fucking elbow. Yeah. So I, I did so a little. Get rid of all those dolls eventually. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't burned the I house down as you run away. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a long time, but uh, that was the th- that story, dude. Yeah, he tells it. He's a good storyteller, kind of like Tom. So he could tell it way better than uh, I can. But just the that's, <laughs> ah, damn, dude, freaky. I, it's hard to put myself in that situation. Fuck, dude, <laughs> it's not freaky. Ass. Yeah, no shit, right? So according to the the little bit that I could look up uh, really quickly, Chuck, to answer your question, Megan was based on the <laughs> the gal, the gal that plays her. Because uh-huh. they, they knew that they were going to use her for the full body shots. So the CG guys basically figured out how to like tweak her face a little bit to look more doll-like, like in After Effects, essentially. Uh-huh. They, po- they post-production. There, there are fully animated parts of the film, but because they were trying to match that, that 12-year-old actress that they got to play the part, they tried to base it on her features, apparently. But... The internet is aghast with she looks like so and so. She looks like so and so. She looks like so and so. Yeah. I mean, you get where I get the Christina Applegate, right? No, it kind of looks like a kind of looks like a young Scarlett Johansson to me. Like, really? Like, like I can see that too. Yeah, it's that looks like a twelve-year-old Scarlett Johansson (laughs) with way too big eyes. To me, it just looks like a doll. I want to fuck. I want to fucking kill. Uh, like no the, pun, the fuck out of a house yeah that uh, that shit's getting nope the fuck out of my house well I, i've always been like one of the one of the reasons that i'm not a huge anime person is i'm not really into the giant eye thing the giant eye thing kind of freaks me out a little bit i yeah the battle alita film i was just like, about to bring that up the alita battle angel did that bother you it did it did it, it didn't weird. It didn't bother me because it looked fake because like the movie's stylistic, so that's fine. What yeah. bothered me is that her eyes are too big and that's freaky. And like uh, I can't remember the name of the model, but there's that Russian model who's done a bunch of plastic surgery to make herself look like Barbie slash an anime character. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things she did was he, she oh. had her eyes like cosmetically widened. Like they're bigger. Her eyes themselves aren't bigger, but she had like her eyelids, yeah. The, the skin or whatever she's, around him shrunk. It's not going to be in the Barbie movie. Yeah, she looks freaky as fuck. You know that one chick from, uh, what is it, the Queen's Gambit? Yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, her eyes are a little like wider. 
but like yeah. her like her eyes are also fucking huge like uh like i think it has something to do with her eyelid because if you kind of look at her eyes you can see on like the bottom like the yeah, bottom, eye, outer corners the, are like lower than normal people i don't uh, want to okay, say normal yeah. people but okay. like but like <laughs> normal average eyes <laughs> we're just no population's eyes but like her yeah her, we're, we're lower, used to hooded eyes like, yeah but it's it, i mean she doesn't look ugly i'm just saying like her eyes are a little big when you're yeah when the eyes are a little bit bigger in the head it, it's, it's freaky like looking back into your own soul from somebody else's view yeah i think uh, i think i've heard somewhere that your eyes are one of the one of the i don't know if it's an organ but uh one of the body parts that never actually grow like kids eyes are the same size as adult eyes like puppies paws you can tell how big your kid's going to be by how big their eyes are <laughs> <laughs> yeah i heard that your eyes don't grow your eyes are always the same size throughout your entire life that's interesting i i eyeballs i wonder if that's true you know the reason that your eyes look red in certain flash photography is because the blood vessels behind your eyes are shining through your eye i did i, I knew it was something like that it's actually the blood inside your head reflecting out why are my old isn't creepy because you're a demon fucking fucking skinwalker chuck it's all it's all the guinness (laughs) it's mixed with the blood (laughs) that's called having high cholesterol chuck no no you mix you mix when you dilute red with black and it turns apparently into gold oh there you go (laughs) so uh i've got a creepy ish doll experience too I don't think I've ever shared it. I, I don't think it had ever came up before, but if it did, sorry again, listeners. But back in the day, I was probably in my, I was a very young kid. This is one of those stories that I feel like I know more of because my parents have told it more than I've like experienced it. But nonetheless, when I was a young child, like five, six years old, there was a not Raggedy Ann doll. I can't remember the other character, but there was another like Raggedy Ann. Like, I don't know if it was a knockoff or a my splinter buddy? show. It wasn't my buddy. Cabbage Patch? No. Titty anyway. It, it, no, it was, like, it was like Raggedy Ann. It was like was it from Walmart, a, Walmart was it from, Raggedy Ann or whatever. A monster Pal. Was it from a TV show? I can't remember. I literally can't remember. It was Rainbow it, Bright or a Strawberry Shortcake. We're totally event. ruining Ryan's story. Yeah, you're derailing the shit out of <laughs> it's it. Just like, can you so your Strawberry Shortcake up? doll. <laughs> so for all intent and purpose, the Raggedy Ann doll. Maybe it was Raggedy Andy. Was there a Raggedy Andy? Yes. Was there a male version? Yep. yep. Okay. That's probably what it was. There was a Raggedy Andy doll that had been given to us for a birthday, for a birthday of event of mine. And I just didn't like it. And it's not that I thought it was creepy or anything. I was just never the kid that liked dolls. Uh, I have one stuffed animal. I had I had one stuffed animal. I still have this stuffed animal. It's a little tiny. It's, it's probably only about you know, maybe six inches, eight inches tall. It's a little tiny Tyrannosaurus Rex stuffed animal. And it has almost no fur because it was my constant companion when I was a little kid. And that was it. That was it for me and stuffed animals. I had like four dinosaur stuffed animals that I liked and the T-Rex one I never put down. So, um, uh, so sorry, Ryan, I have to add yeah, go for it. Just because you're on the topic of stuffed animals that we had. I used to, I didn't have very stuffed animal, uh, very many stuffed animals as a kid either. Uh, 
going to sound a little racist, but I had a little white fuzzy monster, like hand puppet. Okay. I already don't like where the story's going to go. <laughs> His name was Whitey. Because <laughs> 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 he was just a white fur, like little monster. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that was his real name, but that's what my, my mom told me his name was. His name was Whitey. So maybe my mom's racist. I don't know, but it was, I, I just thought I should share. <laughs> I like it. So my, my little stuffed T-Rex was named Whiskers because it, the fur on it was really, really short. And it felt like my dad's whiskers on my chin or my cheek. And I was four when the doll, when the T-Rex became my constant companion. So. Um, my dad was also in the military and I would go for chunks of time, not seeing him. And I was a little kid. So emotional blanket or whatever, emotional weakness from a man radar podcast, <laughs> five stars <laughs> right now. <laughs> we don't do that shit here, right? Uh, I've shown emotional vulnerability once today. No, I'm kidding. How dare um, you? It's just, it's just the, it's just the, you know, like your doll was white. So it was named whitey. My doll felt like whiskers so it was named whiskers yeah, anyway yeah. so at some point some relative or something had given me a raggedy andy doll and i never liked it it just wasn't my thing it wasn't that i was scared of it it just wasn't my thing but i think part of being the times being the early 80s and part of being frugal parents and all of that my parents didn't get rid of it they kept it you know kind of just in case and i believe it had at one point been intended to move down to my brother. Uh, my brother is eight years younger than me, but it didn't last long enough for my brother to come along. So we lived in an old Victorian house in San Diego. And there were a lot of things that my mom had a lot of superstitions or has a lot of superstitions. Nana has a lot of superstitions. My mom has a lot of fun theories that are superstitiously bent. She's a lot like me. She, uh, she has these like little, little things that she just kind of thinks exist. And one of them is, you know, hauntings or spirits or whatever. So you would open it really, really common. We had this long hallway in the middle of the house. It's a Victorian house. So there's, there's the entryway and then there was the master bedroom. And then there was a hallway that went down one half of the house and there were two bedrooms on it. There was a bedroom in the middle which was my brother's room. It was my room and then it became my brother's room and then it became my sister's room. And then at the end, there was what became my room. And then on the other side of this short hallway, there was a living room, a den, and then the dining room was kind of at the end. So Victorian houses are really weird. And like, they're like, even though they're, there didn't need to be a hallway. You could have just had a really big open space with the rooms off the end of it. There was a hallway. Um, and the hallway doors at each side would open and close on their own. And like being who I am and knowing what I know now that I'm older, there was a pressure differential. So when you close the back door to the kitchen, the dining room, and then the kitchen was behind the dining room. If you close the back door to the kitchen, the pressure differential would change across the house and it would cause one of these interior hallway doors to either open or closed. If they were both closed, one of them would pop open. If one was open and one was closed, the one that was open would slam closed and the one that was closed would pop open. You kind of get the idea of what would happen with these two doors at the end of this hallway. So that sets up the house. So the Raggedy Andy doll is stored in my aunt's room at the time because my aunt lived with us for a little bit when I was super young. So I'm in this the master bedroom 
little kid in the middle, and then my aunt on the far side. And then there's this big walk-in closet, big being relative. It was big when I was a child. Now that so I'm an adult, it probably wouldn't be that big. Ever in a Victorian home. Yeah, pretty much. So the doll was stored in that closet, that little walk-in closet. So my mom is cleaning the house out. My, my, my mom's Jewish. And my stepmother is Jewish. And my mother is Catholic. For all intent and purposes, I refer to both of them as mother. I realize it's very confusing. My stepmom is Jewish. She's cleaning up the house and she's moving a bunch of stuff around and she's kind of going through stuff. And she comes into the hallway and the doll is sitting at the end of the hallway in front of my aunt's door. She's like, what the fuck? Because my aunt's not there. So she puts the doll away. And she asks me, you know, did you move the doll? Have you been messing? And of course, I'm like, no, or whatever a five-year-old kid says. Leave me alone. I want to play Nintendo. I don't fucking know what I said. (laughs) And like, you know, it goes on a couple of weeks pass and she finds the doll in my room. And she asks everybody in the house and nobody knows about who moved it. And of course, my dad at this point is like, my sister's moving it. You know, she she's moved. She she had moved in and then she had moved out. So there was like this whole like she probably moved it. Just don't freak out. You're fine. Nothing's going on. So, of course, as these little incidences happen and she starts finding the doll in other parts of the house, it starts to really mess with her. It starts to really freak her out. And to this day, no idea who moved it. And, and, you know, it could have been me as a little tiny, like, five-year-old shithead being a five-year-old shithead. Who knows? But to this day, she has no idea how the doll moved. And the doll would appear in different rooms and in different positions. And it appeared in the living room on a couple of different couches. It had appeared, you know, in front of a couple of different doors. It had been in my room a couple of times and she knew I didn't like it. So she would move it out of my room. And all of these like little weird inconsistencies just kept happening. Eventually, instead of keeping the doll to see whether or not my brother wanted it or or another kid had wanted it, they had planned to have kids past me. They just hadn't happened yet. She got rid of the thing, but probably when I was like six and a half or seven years old. And I very distinctly remember her giving it away and telling the guy who took it, it walks around the house. And I was and like, of course, I was like, yep, it walks around the house because, you know, like I'm a little kid at that point. I'm going to agree with an adult. I, I've never found out the full story of it. However, shit moving around and appearing in random thing places is something that has always kind of seemed to happen around my dad. So... So what he's telling us is your dad's fucking with the family. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe who knows that that, or you grew up in a haunted house. Oh, my, my, yeah. My mother is convinced that the house is haunted. Cause like she would hear people walking around. She would hear voices, windows would, would, you know, those old Victorian windows that are like super heavy and they slide up and down. They would open and close on their own. Uh, stuff happened around. So she, they also collected a lot of antiques. Like the, I don't know. That's just like a thing. Apparently, people do when they're in their thirties and forties. Because I'm in my thirties and forties, and I collect antiques now too. But you know, when I was a little kid, there was antique couches and antique armchairs and shit in the living room. And she would random stuff would be on, or she would think that she saw people sitting in them. I'd, she was very convinced that the house was haunted. And I will ask her because I realized as I started telling the story, I'm like, oh, yeah, we had the doll that moved around the house. I should tell the story about the doll that moved around the house. And like, I have such scant details about it because I was a little kid. 
I guarantee you if I asked her, she would just like, all right, sit down, have a cup of tea. We're going to talk for a couple hours. Oh, gee. And, and now you'll probably tell her you told the story. And she'll be like, you son of a bitch. There's stuff in my house moving around right now. <laughs> They're in a different house. No, <laughs> in a different she'll, state. She'll be like, oh, when did you bring this up? Because stuff just moved around. Do you have a Jewish mother? <laughs> No, because that's one hundred percent what happens. No, but, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can see that happening. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you? Nope. Did you bring up in your <laughs> Gentile podcast, <laughs> Ryan? Do you remember that raggedy Ann doll that you had? Oh my god! Up on our doorstep two days ago. Oh no! Yeah, it, it's uh, well. She also has the thing where her left hand can find anything you lose. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that, but like you guys, like I misplaced no. my keys, and she's like, "Don't worry, my left hand will find it." And she does; she just fucking finds it. I'm like, "How the fuck did you find that?" So, I looked there three times. So when the doll, when the doll got given away, it never came back. No, 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 no. The doll, the doll. Once the doll the was doll, gone, the doll was gone. The doll wasn't possessed; it was something in the house. I probably. I mean, again, this is an old Victorian. Like doors would open and close all the time. Uh, there was a smell of smoke that you would get in the middle of the house, like an old cigar smoke in the middle of the house every once in a while. Uh, stuff would go missing and not come back. Lots of like Goblin Universe stuff, realistically. Lots of just weird anomalous activity. Like the house I currently live in, and it's not an old house. <laughs> any any closing thoughts on the Isle of Dolls or on creepy dolls in general? Any stories we missed out? Guys? Yeah, yeah. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. You don't, Burn you it don't down. Want to go visit it, Marky. Uh, I mean, with a we're, going, we're going next week. I already arranged it. I mean, scary stuff for me isn't really like a like I don't pursue it. If all my buddies were like, "Hey, we're gonna go to the Isle of the Dolls," and it wasn't you know an airplane ticket away, I'd be like, "All right, cool, let's go." But I'm not like. Dark tourism isn't your thing. Yeah, well, I mean, just tourism in general isn't isn't my thing. I prefer the comfort of my home. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, yeah. if you did, I mean, if you did tourism, in theory, you would have to know geography. So exactly, this is pushing it. It's asking a lot. Yeah, I'm the kind of guy that would just get lost. You know, so it's a better safe than sorry kind of scenario. So you're, you're the guy in the horror movie. That oh man, what's this? Let me check this thing out and tie my shoes. Oh, where'd Marky go? We don't know. And you just wander yep. off on your know you're like the second victim. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm the guy that gets lost. Okay. Where'd everybody go? Billy? Billy? Billy. <laughs> Billy Billy's, getting, Billy's getting eaten by a Moloch, man. Come on, just leave him <laughs> leave him be for a minute. Let him get let a man get his lower body eaten in peace, all right? Yeah. Pieces. <laughs> yeah, he's getting that gluck gluck nine thousand from a Moloch. Yep. Uh, uh, oh my god, man! I hope we get new Moloch sculpts just to piss Marky off. I mean, because I want new Moloch sculpts. What did I say the first time? That was rude. He's ma licking his balls off. <laughs> That's the second time you've broken me this fucking episode. <laughs> I like it. 
All right, all right, all right, all right. That's right. That wraps it up for our Loris Obscurus episode on the Isle of Dolls. We have two more segments on haunted forests, including a forest in the Pacific Northwest and another one in the Appalachians coming at you guys. So if you still have a freaky forest, spooky dookie, or a creepy jungle story that you want to share with the podcast, or maybe just an idea for an Ordos Obscurus report, reach out to us by email at underthehiveofmadness at gmail.com or jimdarkgaming at gmail.com. And don't send the carrier pigeons anymore. We retired those. <laughs> we, don't, we don't accept owl post. No, definitely not owls. They've been eating the small animals that we keep as pets. No, because owls are witches. Hey, what's <laughs> wrong with being a witch, dude? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> you can also join us on our community on discord uh <laughs> marky coming in with the save That's right. <laughs> not only can you talk to us about lore hobby tactics of 40k but you can also get involved in other topics like warhammer age of sigmar magic gathering role-playing games video games and much more you can also find us on facebook instagram and tiktok or find us at under the hive of madness.com Help the podcast grow by liking and reviewing us wherever you get your podcast fix. We are on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and many more. Support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash under the hive of madness. All Patreon members get access to video podcasts with minimal editing. So you can see our beautiful faces and hear all of our award-winning amazing blunders. All Patreon levels also get access to our quarterly painting contest. Plus, we have perks at higher levels. So go on over and check it out. Come on down to Mama Kaz's Noodle House and try out the new blackened pepper bolter fried rice and frost scorpion spice stingers. Four creds all you can eat. Don't forget her high famous Habroof rice wine has been voted the best damn soju all over the stacks. Proving overgrown rats aren't the only unwholesome creatures let loose all across the underhive. We are the Lost Souls of Rebellion. 665.66UHMR Chemrat Radio. Reminding all of you Chemrats, Hive Mice, and Sump Ghoulies to keep those dials fixed right here. Same ratty frequency for an epic dose of the same ratty ass attitude. Forearmed emperors lurk in the night. Stare at the dark too long. You'll eventually see what isn't there. And read a book. Other books. <laughs>